Turn your Bibles to Joshua chapter 1, and while you're turning there, I need to uh, continue what I was saying. I was mentioned the guest online, but I don't think I ever told them how they could let us know that they were guests. Uh, uh, that dawned on me, and the Lord reminded me that when I sat down, but you can text guests if you're watching now, hopefully you still are, <laughs> uh, text 334-384-8080, and that is text the word guest and let us know that you're attending with us, and uh, if you're watching on Facebook or YouTube or uh, any of our platforms online, uh, we have some folks uh, that are on a laptop down in our, in our video uh, booth and downstairs in our control center is what I call it, uh, but uh, they're ready to engage you in conversation and say thank you for being here. So just uh, drop them a note, let them know where you're watching from. So Joshua chapter 1 uh, is where we'll be this morning, but before we read that together, uh, just to set this up, this is coming off of the 40 years in wilderness that Moses led the children of Israel on. And so in all that time, they're wandering around and looking and trying to get to the promised land. And if you would allow me to uh, kind of go this path this morning, they're trying to get to a normal, trying to get to where this is, this is the goal. They're trying to get to a normal. Is anybody in here by show of hands wanted normal back. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm that way too. And can I, with all respect, say I'm guilty of that. Throughout Scripture, we are told to be abnormal, to be different, to be, as I said, set apart. The word holy comes to mind. So I think it's imperative as we almost have 2020 in our rearview mirror and we look to 2021 that the coming of a new year should not allow us to have a false hope in something that maybe will be normal but as believers in Christ and followers of the king this morning and if you are watching or here and says well that's not me well hang on You'll have an opportunity for that in just a few moments. But I believe the Lord wants us not to want normal, but to want Him. Amen. And not so pine for the old ways, but look for, as God says, new mercies every day. And what will a new day bring me to do for Him? Now, if you get if in the mind this morning, suppose there were a board of directors of a large corporation, and they selected you the next president. I mean, you're, you're it. You've been hired and all that comes with that. But even as they were appointing you to this leadership role, they made the statement, by the way, in your presence, that the previous president was irreplaceable. Furthermore, you knew from your own experience that what they were saying was absolutely true. He could not be matched. You had worked side by side with that president every day. You witnessed his leadership ability. You saw his wisdom and his courage. And more importantly, you observed firsthand his faith in God. There was no way to feel that you could ever measure up to that man in any respect. 
Now, how would that make you feel? You're the man, but you're really not the man. <laughs> I almost feel that way on Sundays when Brother Ray's out. I had somebody say this morning, he says, you're the man. And I said, well, I know, but I'm really not the man, but I am today. I mean, how would that make you feel? I mean, the, you, you know, without a shadow of doubt, you could not do the job that he did. No matter how much the board of directors tried to reassure you of their confidence in you that you could do the job, the awesome reality of the previous man's track record would always haunt you. And the fact that you would never quite measure up would probably threaten you every morning, even before you had your first cup of coffee. Now, in many respects, this very well might describe Joshua's feelings from the passage we'll read as you stand together. So if you would stand with me, and let's read together, hopefully from translation that will be similar to mine, Joshua chapter 1, and we'll cover all 18 verses here in chapter 1, but for right now, let's just read verses 2 through 9 together, okay? Joshua chapter 1, verses 2 through 9, and this is what the Lord says. Literally, this is the Lord speaking. Quote, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over to this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. Verse 5. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Verse 7. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have a good success. Verse 9, have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Father, it is in Jesus' name that we ask now, God, that you would open our minds and clear them, and Father, ready our hearts to receive what you have for us. And Father, I pray as I often do, but I pray it with all my heart now, God, would you mute anything that has origin from me. And Father, I pray that you would amplify everything that has you as, your, as the origin. And so, Father, we pray that now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, looking at these verses, more than anything else, 
More than anything else, fear keeps us from fulfilling God's will in our lives. And that's why I've titled the, les- the, the lesson or the message this morning, Fearless Living. We, we fear failure, don't we? I, I know I do. We fear rejection. We fear losing. We fear being different. We fear abnormality. We fear that normal may not come. We fear the word positive in the culture today. We fear these things. We fear being labeled as religious fanatics, etc., etc., etc. One of the greatest fearless living stories is what we are beginning to read today in Joshua chapter 1. About 1,300 years before Christ, Joshua was born into Egyptian slavery. His name, you know this, his name means Jehovah is salvation. And the, the Hebrew form of the Greek name translated from Joshua, do you know what it is? Jesus. Moses was the great lawgiver who led the Israelites out of Egypt. Joshua was the great military genius who fearlessly led them into battle. So with that in mind this morning, and all the other things we've mentioned, maybe not looking so much to get back to normal, but God, how can I be abnormal in such an abnormal world? How can I be set apart and not separated? How can I live holy and fearlessly? I want us to look at three things this morning. They're really simple but I think they're worth our looking into this morning. First of all, how can we live fearlessly? First, we have to let go of the past. Let go of the past. Well, that means letting go of what we used to say that was normal, letting go of what has just weighed us down in the past, but we need to let go of the past. Let's look at verses 1 and 2 again, and I'll read verse 1 this too. After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, The Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, who had served Moses. And again, verse 2, which we've already read, but let's look at it again. Because isn't this really an encouraging word that the Lord is saying to Joshua? He is hearing him directly. Now, we know that God spoke directly to Moses. Now God is speaking directly to Joshua. It's not something that he feels in his heart. It's not something maybe someone else spoke, that another preacher or song. He is hearing the voice of God, and here's what he hears. Moses, my servant, is dead. The Israelites had just finished 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. As they arrived the second time at the border of the promised land, only Joshua and Caleb remain from the original fighting men that were from Egypt. All the other men, if you recall in Numbers chapter 14, all the other men over age 20 died in the wilderness. Why? Do you recall why? Because they lacked faith. Look at what God says here in verse 2. It says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Why does God say that to Joshua? He doesn't say, hey, Joshua, I love you, man. Sit down for a minute. He doesn't give any kind of preface. It's so to the point that that's what made me think. It says, we need to let go of the past. He said, Moses, my servant is dead. Then he goes into it. Why does God say that to Joshua? 
because fearless faith requires letting go of the past. Moses had marched into Pharaoh's court and pronounced judgment on the Egyptians. Joshua was with him as this great man boldly led the children from, the, uh, from Egypt toward the Red Sea. He watched in amazement as Moses held out his rod in part of that sea. Joshua was also with Moses when he went up the mountain and he was aglow with fire and resonant with thunder. He knew Moses had communicated with God face to face. Go back to Exodus chapter 33 if you want to make a note of that. That's where the God records that. He had seen this great leader of Israel come down from the mountain with his face reflecting the glory of God. Throughout the wilderness wanderings, Joshua had looked on this astonishment as God used Moses as a human instrument to bring out water to the rock. He had seen Moses, Joshua had. He had seen Moses sweeten the waters of Marah and feed the children of Israel with quail and manna. Joshua knew all these things about his predecessor. Try, to try to assume Moses' role as leader of the children of Israel would have been a threatening experience to any human. Probably even more frightening. Listen, all those things are in Joshua's mind. He's seen all these things that Moses, who is dead now, had done. And probably even more frightening to Joshua than living in the shadow of Moses' great achievements, I think, would be the awareness of the number of times that the fickle children of Israel rejected their leader. It's not only, okay, now you must lead, but this, these are the people you must now lead. So he's got all these things in his mind that Moses has done, and he hears God say, he's dead. Now he says in verse 2, now you and all the people. And Joshua saying, oh, gee whiz. Now, not only Moses dead, now you've reminded me, Lord, of all these people. I mean, how could he help but not recall the memories of the times the children of Israel rose up against Moses. You know, they just didn't say, okay, Moses, whatever you say we're going to do. Do you all recall that? They rose up against him, even to the point of threatening to kill him. And this was the leader that he was now going to try to replace. And how about the time that he and Caleb returned from spying out the land in Canaan? And he dared to confront these people who defied God and refused to go in and take the land immediately. Joshua would never forget the numerous occasions when the unbelief of Israel was beyond belief itself. And now Moses was gone. Joshua seemingly stood alone. And he had this tremendous responsibility of taking over the leadership of this great multitude. They were unpredictable and they were fickle. Now the past may include, your past, my past may include a bad church experience. It may include failure. Has anyone, I mean, other than the alarm going off, has anyone in here saying, you know, you've, you've heard, you've, you've experienced failure before? Past experiences may incorporate sin. You may have a past experience of divorce. You may have a past experience of a death of someone that you love. You may have the experience of the death of a spiritual mentor like Moses. Whatever it is, listen, whatever it is, we must let go of the past so we will be ready for the present. And that's my second point. Trust God's promises in the present. 
So to live fearlessly, we need to let go of the past. Yes, learn from our past, but don't try to grab hold to it to where we're moving backwards instead of saying, what do you have for me now? So trust God's promises in the present. Let's look in verses 3 through 6. Read the, let's read that together again. I have given you every place where the sole of your foot treads, just as I promised Moses. Now, did you look at that? And, and, and I, I know the Lord's about unconditional love. But to me, I'm reading there's a condition that God is placing on this promise. Did you see it? Where the sole of your foot treads. Go with me this morning. They had to literally step in it. They had to literally step out in faith. Not some blind leap, but from what the promises have already told them. And hopefully in a, in a few weeks, and uh, I have another opportunity to share with you, and we'll go to Joshua chapter 3. But do you realize God does not, he does not want us to have blind faith. He gives us promises by which our faith grows from. And promises are factual. These are true. He's not saying, I just, just go out there and, and, and find out and you'll find out you can trust me. No, he's basing it on the promises. He said, the land will be yours wherever your foot treads. They had to literally step out in faith. God's promises always have a premise. And part of that premise always involves fearless faith. The Lord promised to give them the land, but they had to march over every part of it. Listen, fearless living understands God will do his part, but there's always a part for us to do. Faith, don't miss this, faith does not presume on God. It trusts him for us to do his will. Joshua, just like us, needed encouragement to take the land because some of the cities were well fortified and their armies were large and well trained. Therefore, the Lord tells him no one will be able to stand against him. In verse 5, look at this. Your territory be from the wilderness in Lebanon to the great Euphrates River and all the land Hittites and west of the Mediterranean Sea. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. And then comes the key verse. Many times, and I have thought too in this passage, the key verse is, is saying, be strong and courageous. As I share with the men this morning, you know, we can kind of, in an American way, we can, we can muster up strength and courage, can't we? Just, man, just pick yourself up, grit your teeth, and go after it. Do you know that will fail if we're doing it in our own power? So what's the catalyst to this strength and courage that God is talking to Joshua about. Well, it's here. It's here. Look at it with me. The latter part of verse 5. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. I will be with you just as I was with Moses. I will not leave you or forsake you. Again, to kind of draw it to today, it, uh, almost a day doesn't go by, certainly a week does not go by, that we don't get a call at the church office telling us, well, so-and-so is now positive. 
You know, and sometimes they have mild symptoms. Sometimes the symptoms are, are pretty severe. And sadly, sometimes that person goes in the hospital. And tragically, in ways, the person doesn't go home from the hospital. Can you imagine the reality of what we go through all together in this, that we just don't know what's going to happen tomorrow? We're not sure what that's going to bring. And we try to muster up courage, Tim. We try to muster up strength. And you know, Satan does not just come at us full force. It's these little bitty foxes that cause us to be discouraged. And we try to be strong and courageous. Can I challenge you and encourage you? Don't do that. First of all, realize the truth of that statement. Of God saying personally, not only to Joshua, listen to me, church. God saying to us this moment, I will not leave you or forsake you. That causes strength. That causes courage. Not something that I think I have manufactured within myself. Not something that I can come in and get with a brother and say, oh, come on, together we can be strong and courageous. That's true, but if it's not based on this truth, then it's on sand. Only upon the rock of the Lord Jesus Christ saying, I will never leave you or forsake you. Only then, only then can we be strong and courageous. God never, listen, God never promises our lives will be free from problems or pain. Now, I know that's not an epiphany for you, but it's the truth. It's worth saying again, God has never nor will ever promise us no pain, no problems. He does promise us he will be with us through it all. There's no doubt about it. Joshua faced one of the greatest challenges of his life. Though the role he found himself in, and this intrigued me, the role he has found himself in as a leader was no surprise. I mean, he knew he was being groomed. He knew he was going to be the man, just like I knew months ago I was going to be here today. It didn't catch me by surprise. I jokingly said to Brent this morning when I walked by, I said, you know, because I got in here right, when was, right before we get started, I said, hey, I had to get a message ready. I found out a preach this morning. That's not the truth. I've known. But can I tell you this, just like with Joshua, the moment it gets here, you feel weak need a little bit. Uh, the, the old story went, I read a few weeks ago about a preacher that, Tim, he came up in the, in the pulpit and Man, he was, I mean, he was dressed to the nines. I mean, he looked the part, he sounded the part, he delivered the part. Man, he was all about it. And there was nothing. And he left, shoulders down, head down, humiliated kind of a way, but with humbleness and walked out. And an old gentleman met him out in the foyer, said, if you would have gone to the pulpit like you left, you'd have left like you came in. Listen, it's with all humility. That moment that Joshua knew was coming, the reality of it suddenly crushed in on him, 
question flooded his mind. How could he handle this great responsibility? What if he failed? What if the children of Israel did not accept him as they did Moses, which really they didn't at times? What if he just blew it? What if they rebelled? God understood. Listen, God understands. He understood the dilemma that Joshua had. He understands the dilemma and the fear and the anxiety and the worry and the fearful living. He understands that. If you don't hear anything else, hear this and write it down underneath that point. The Lord never gives us a task without providing the resources and help to carry out the responsibility. And I'm just going to go with it. I mean, we all hear whatever that's going off, the alarm. I'm I'm not the only one. So I'm, I'm just saying that's the Lord wanting us to pay attention to the alarm of that sentence. Okay, listen. The Lord never gives us a task without providing the resources and help to carry out the responsibility. Previously, the Lord had spoken directly to Moses. Now he spoke directly and reassuringly to Joshua. Three times in this chapter, God says to Joshua, be strong and courageous. Verse 6, verse 7, and verse 9. In other words, live fearlessly. Faith is not just believing. It is doing. Faith means nothing until it causes us to fearlessly do something for God. Fearless living, listen to me, fearless living doesn't just believe in God. It obeys and trusts Him when it's tough. God tells Joshua not to be frightened or dismayed because he will be with him wherever he goes. In verse 9, listen, one of the devil's best weapons, you know this as well as I do, one of his best weapons for preventing us to doing God's will is using circumstances to plant these thoughts in our minds that cause us to be frightened. The more important the task, the more Satan tries to make us afraid. And can I think, just parenthetically say, we have an important task ahead of us and however long the Lord allows us to live and however long the Lord is saying until Christ comes back, that task is the most important. So the more important the task, the more Satan tries to make us afraid which results in our being discouraged. At those times, write this down, Psalm 5611. You don't have to look at that right now, but remember, just look at it later on. And remember, we're still, we're still in the part of, of, of trusting God's promises in the present. So Psalm 5611, this is what the Lord says, In God I trust, I shall not be afraid, the psalmist says. What can man do to me? So the times that we are most fearful, that circumstances allow this, this, this seed to germinate in our mind, and it has vines going everywhere, and it seems that we're clouded in how we think, at those times, we need to be like the psalmist and say, in God I trust.
I shall not be afraid. What can man do to me? To live fearlessly, we have to let go of the past. We must trust God's promises in the present. And finally, we must study God's word for guidance in the future. Study God's word for guidance in the future. I recently read about a group of students from Toronto, Canada, that had gone up to Georgian Bay for a fishing trip, and they were looking forward to it. They, they were students of means. You know what that means? Their parents had money. <laughs> so they arranged for them to, to hire a, a captain in a boat to take them fishing and take them out into the bay, and that morning a storm was breaking. The captain, kind of an old sailor, gruff kind of guy, sat at the helm with a worried look on his face. The students kind of laughed at his fear. And through their laughter, they declared, we're not afraid. And it had been a group of students from, say, Alabama, Auburn, they would have said, we ain't scared. And the old sea dog looked at them and said, yep, you're too ignorant to be aware of what's about to happen. Listen, Joshua was not ignorant of what lay ahead. We need, you and I, we need not be unaware of what is happening so that we can take hold of this truth. Study God's Word for guidance in the future. I'm saying don't be afraid, but be aware. Be unafraid, but don't be unaware of what is happening so the Lord did more than rescue Joshua of his presence and power in verses 7 through 9. He also spelled out very specifically and clearly the conditions for successfully taking the land. God left no ifs, ands, and buts about it. So let's look quickly as, as we kind of wrap this up. The Lord gave Joshua five direct commands, all related to his laws. They're similar but they very clearly outline God's conditions for successfully taking the land of Canaan. Let's look at it. Be careful to do according to all the law. And do not turn from it to the right or to the left in verse 7. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. Be careful to do according to all that's written in it. To prepare Joshua for the future, God tells him to be careful to do according to the law that my Moses servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left. You stay in it. Don't try to say, well, yeah, I believe that, but. Well, this is what God's word says, but. No ifs, ands, and buts. Don't veer to the left or to the right. This means keep on the biblical road and stay out of Satan's ditches. Next, in verse 8, God tells Joshua, the book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. Now listen, it, this is, it's easy for me to do because I did it this morning. But if you're not in the practice of doing this, I want to challenge you right now, okay? So listen, this is, this is a part that you and I should do. He says, keep the book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. This refers to the Hebrew custom of reading and studying the Bible by reading aloud. How many, do we, how many of y'all just get up in the morning and, and, and get your quiet time and be quiet? I mean, what we can hear is maybe the coffee being sipped or the birds outside, and we, we just, we're there. Tim, have you ever heard, you know, somebody says, well, if you just listen to yourself, you know, don't listen to yourself. Talk to yourself. 
that's, That's a biblical principle. We need to talk to ourselves. Don't listen to ourselves. Our hearts are deceptive and deceiving above anything else we know. So don't listen to yourself. Talk to yourself. And the only way you can talk to yourself is when you take the truth of the Word of God and say it out loud. You say it. You pray it. You speak it. And you say, well, Chuck, that's kind of odd. Isn't that abnormal? Bingo. It is abnormal. That's what we're called to be. We're called to be set apart. So get the Word of God. And don't let it depart from your mouth. In other words, keep it coming off of your tongue. Study the Bible. Read aloud. It aids in concentration. Many great preachers speak their messages out loud. I'm not saying that I hear Brother Ray through the wall of our office, but it's a good practice to have. Do not let God's Word depart from our mouths. And this also includes obeying the command found in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 7. Write it down. You don't have to turn there. Deuteronomy 6, 7. Listen, especially parents, grandparents. Deuteronomy 6, 7. You shall teach them, what? The word, the, the precepts of God, the word of God. You shall teach them diligently to your children. And you shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise. That's pretty much 24-7. God also tells Joshua to meditate on it day and night. You know, often I've, 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 I've taught, and I, I think I've even had in a, in a sermon, you know, the parts of prayer. And, you know, there's acronyms, and I'll share one with you in a minute, but there's acronyms for prayer, acts, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. And I've often said in our class, Melanie, you'll probably remember this, that I like to use, it's not a word, but it's good, it's kata, mm. And you say, well, I know how to spell that. No, you don't, because I said it too fast. It's C-A-T-I-P-M. It's just parts of prayer. Confession, adoration, thanksgiving, intercession, petition. And Tim, I think the most neglected part of prayer, meditation. We are meditate on God's Word. Well, Chuck, I'm not sure I know how to meditate. Well, let me just, here's a real secret. By a show of hand in your hearts, okay? So don't raise it up loud. Don't raise your hand. Just, just speak to it in your heart. How many in here this morning know how to worry? Okay, now we're going to take it to that H&L, to a whole nother level. H&L, a whole nother, it's, that was funnier when I said it in my mind. So, so to take it to part, now I want you to raise your hand. So how many people in here today know how to worry? Okay, there's, most of us are honest. If you know how to worry, you know how to meditate. Have you ever thought of that? Here's what I mean. Worry is taking a fearful thought and thinking about it over and over and over from every angle. Meditation is the same thing. You take a verse of Scripture and you think about it over and over and over from every angle. It is not rocket science. All of us, even if you didn't admit it or not, all of us are accomplished warriors, especially in the day that we're living. If you're not, you're dishonest. All of us have been 
am now, very well could be, an accomplished warrior. We can do that and more with the meditation of God's Word. We take a verse, we look at it, we go over and over and over from every angle looking for application. Listen, meditation always has application as its goal. According to Psalm verse one, chapter 1, verse 3, I will ask you to turn there. This is too good not to turn it together. So either swap or turn, okay? If you don't have a Bible, find somebody close enough that you can socially distance from the look. Psalm 1, the first Psalm, verse 3. Let's look at that together. I hear some pages. I'm encouraged by that. I'm not going to worry about you not turning there. I'm just going to meditate until you do. <laughs> All right? Psalm 1-3. He is like a tree planted beside streams of water. Who is like a tree planted beside streams of water? The one who meditates on the Word of God. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that bears its fruit in season, that is the application, and whose leaf does not wither, whatever he does prospers. So meditation always has as its goal application. Therefore, when we meditate on the Word of God, we stay spiritually healthy and strong during the difficult seasons of life. Bible study, listen to me, Bible study in Scripture memory should never be an end of themselves. We must also meditate, which always enables us to apply God's Word to our lives. Only then can we be sure of what verse 8 says in Joshua 1, to do according to all that is written. Then we will see the promises for reading, studying, meditating on, obeying God's Word, for then you will prosper and succeed in whatever you do. Okay, now a vital key. And here's an acronym that you can spell. A vital key to knowing how to study the Bible. Here's application, so I'm trying to put it into practice. It's called specs. So under the third point, I want you to write down in a, in a column going up down S-P-E-C-S. S-P-E-C-S. You got it? S-P-E-C-S. Okay, I don't see arms and, and pens moving. This, uh, sound, this is not volunteer. I'm, I'm asking you to do this, okay? So I don't want to call anybody out, but write it down. S-P-E-C-S. S-P-E-C-S. This is what I want you to do and get in practice of when we're looking at the Word of God. Are y'all ready for me? S-P-E-C-S. S, write down. Sin to confess and forsake, question mark. When we're looking at the Word of God and meditating on it, looking at it over and over and over and over again from every angle, we need to ask ourselves, is there sin to confess and forsake? S, sin to confess and forsake, question mark. Secondly, promise to claim, question mark. Is there a promise to claim in the verse that you're reading? This, I'm giving you application on how to meditate on the Word of God. First of all, I, I, need to, I need to make sure that I'm right with the Lord. Is there sin to confess and forsake? Secondly, is there promise to claim? Third, E, example to follow, question mark. Is there an example I need to follow here? Joshua was real, he was, he was afraid. 
I mean, who wouldn't be? He knew all that Moses had done. He knew the children of Israel, but he also knew that God had put him there for that reason, and he was, he was, going, he was going to do it fearlessly, without complaining. Example to follow, C, command to obey, command to obey. Is there a command to obey in a verse that you're looking at over and over and over and over again from every angle? Is there a command to obey? And then finally, is there a stumbling block to avoid? Stumbling block to avoid. So S-P-E-C-S, sin to confess and forsake, question mark, promise to claim, question mark, example to follow, question mark, command to obey, question mark, stumbling block to avoid, question mark, only after using a study method like this or another one that you can meditate on and obey God's word, only then can we experience the wonderful truth found in Psalm 119. Write it down, Psalm 119, 105. You, you, you'll know this as soon as I read it if you can't quote it to me right now. Psalm 119, 105. Does anybody in here know it? Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. After receiving God's commands and promises, and we're almost done with this last point, Joshua calls all the officers together. He tells them to get ready because in three days they will cross the Jordan River to take possession of the land that the Lord is giving them. Verses 10 and 11. Then Joshua speaks to the tribes of Reuben, Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh. That's verses 12 through 14. And they had previously asked Moses' permission to settle on the east side of the Jordan. Now, don't miss this. Moses agreed under the condition they first helped their brothers take the promised land and then return to the east side of the Jordan. That's found in Numbers chapter 32, by the way. Here's what I don't want us to miss. Moses in Numbers chapter 32, verse, 30, verse 23, Numbers 32, 23, Moses told them what would happen if they did not help their brothers fearlessly take the promised land. Are you following what I'm trying to set up here? Moses told them what would happen if they did not live fearlessly. And here's what the Word of God says. But if you, will do not, if you do not do that, behold, you have sinned against the Lord, and be sure your sin will find you out. Tim, that's the first time I've ever seen that. Because I've always said, you know, well, here I'm going to title it. It says right there, Fearless Living. It's, it's, it's good. It kind of is it's, it's simple. I mean, it's catchy enough. I'm a, I'm a cookie-on-the-bottom-shelf kind of guy. But as I looked at this, and as I saw what Moses said in, in Numbers 32, going into 2021, do you know that according to this precept, that it is a sin not to live fearlessly? If we do not incorporate fearless living, into our everyday lives, so much that we meditate on the Word of God over 
and over and over and over again from every angle. And we incorporate something like specs into it. If we do not do that, I believe to him with all my heart, the Word of God says, that's sin. So we must be careful. I heard of a pastor that after he became a Christian, his, his wife-to-be gave him a Bible with this statement written on the, on the, on the flyleaf inside. This book will keep you from sin, but sin will keep you from this book. If we do not live by the promises of God, we will sin, and our sin will find us out. There are always consequences to sin that eventually catch up to us. So these two and a half tribes agreed to take the land and then return to the east side of the Jordan. They also agreed to obey Joshua just as they did Moses. Before Joshua secretly sends two spies out in chapter 2, the people said this again, and look at it in verse 18. Anyone who rebels against your order and does not obey your words and all that you command him will be put to death. Above all, this is what two and a half tribes are saying, above all, be strong and courageous. Fearless living requires us to let go of the past, to trust God's promises in the present, and to study God's word for guidance in the future. I got here um, earlier than I typically do on a Sunday morning, and, and so I was just sitting here, then just came to the altar, Tim, I've already shared this with you, and uh, just, you know, battling through discouragement like we all do. I knew I was going to preach today, but then the enemy, you know, just brings things up, circumstances, memories, and confidence wanes. And you begin to look at more about what's going on in the world. Eli Stanley Jones. Anybody ever heard of Eli Stanley Jones? E. Stanley Jones, a great Methodist missionary from years gone by. Passed away in 1973. He said something that I saw last night and I saw again this morning as I knelt right there. You know, with all that's going on in our world, positive, negative, false negative, false positive, hospitalizations, loved ones passing away, who's the president, how's it going to work out, what's really going on, all these things cloud in our mind. Then Christmas morning, something happened in Nashville. Why did that happen? Then you be all these other theories and all this is going on. And you hear what's going on in, in Iran. You hear what's going on in Iraq with the embassy there. You hear what's going on with who used to be our ally. You see what's going on with children in India. You in all these things. And, you know, have you ever said, what's this world coming to? You ever said that? What's this world coming to? Well, as I knelt down this morning, and I happened to see, I don't know if you can see it, but I took some in my pocket because I didn't want it to be cleaned up because I wanted to have it. You see this hay that's still there from our Christmas Eve service. My first inclination, you know what it was? We need, man, we need to clean that up. It's almost time for church. We need to make sure that's all neat and tidy. 
And it was in my mind, what does this world come to? What does this world come to? And God reminded me with this straw that I'm asking the wrong question. Not what is this world coming to, but who has come into this world? That is what should cause every one of us to live fearlessly. Don't ask. Don't get so overwhelmed. Don't look at every tweet. Don't look at every news feed. Don't look at every channel. Don't read every newspaper page. Don't be so concerned about what's this world coming to? But yet, as believers in the living God, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who came, who died, who rose again, and will come again. That's what we should be asking. Not is what this world coming to, but who came into this world. Amen? That is worth our, every ounce of our strength. And so that's why we need to let go of the past, Tim. Robert, that's why we need to trust God's promises in the present. Church, that's why we need to study God's Word for guidance in the future. Pray with me if you would. Father, it's only by your grace that we stand or sit. And Father, and church as best I know how, I, I, I say this on behalf of all of us. Father, we confess that we are fearful beings. But God, we ask, by the power of your Holy Spirit, would you so indwell us and allow us to learn to forget the past, to trust your promises in the present, and God, to meditate and stay in your word for the future. God, would you allow us to live without fear and may it be for your glory that we do that and we pray that in Jesus name amen now look this way just for a moment you know it's I guess it's simple in some ways when you when you look at something we've we've seen and read before in Joshua chapter 1 but I, what I didn't tell you is in Joshua chapter 3 and verse 5, when they were following the ark before the priests go into the water, Joshua says this, we haven't been this way before. We haven't traveled this way before. No one in here has been to 2021 yet. No one. I can say that with all confidence. No one has been to... 9.30 yet in here. We don't know, and this is a cliche, but it's so true. We don't know what the future holds. But as believers in Christ, we know who holds the future. And with that, with that simple truth, we can, listen church, we can live fearlessly. We can have fearless living. So if you're in here this morning and you say, Chuck, it's, 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 it's been a heck of a year. 
Can I tell you without trying to one-up you? I get it. I know. You're right. But is there hope? Yes. Is there a future? Yes. Is there an eternity? Yes. This is just but a... This is... It's just a bit of hay the time we'll be here. God has called us to live without fear for His purposes. And if you're here this morning, you said, I, 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 don't, I don't know how to do that. Can, can I tell you that there's, there's a way? It's called surrender. To accept Christ as the hope. To accept, accept Christ as the truth. And to accept Christ as the way, the only way to navigate this period of time and into heaven forever. And that's to accept Christ as your Savior. So if you're watching online, if you're here live, that is the answer to the question, how do I do this? Trust Christ. And I'll be in the foyer and I can, I can help you. We can go someplace and we can talk through that. But can I say, do not leave this room. Do not turn off your computer without asking someone, how can I become a believer in Christ? If you do not know him, can I, can I tell you something? Today is the day. Today is the day that God wants you to know him. It's not tomorrow. It's not the next day. It's not Wednesday. It's not January 1st for a New Year's resolution. Can I tell you without a doubt in my mind, if you do not know Christ, today is the day that he wants to be known by you. No doubt. Don't leave here. Don't turn off without asking that question if you do not know him. Believer, if you're here and you've been struggling like we all have, there is good news. God has called us. And do you recall what I said? When he calls us, he equips us. He never calls us to a task that he does not give us the resources and help to accomplish that task. And we know what that task is. He says, go unto the world. Yes, come into the storehouse and hear and be encouraged, but go out. Meditation is not the goal. Application is. So when we leave here, believer, that's when, listen, we've, we've had worship, but that's when the service begins. That's pretty good. Somebody write that down. We've had worship, but the service is about to begin. That's when we step out. That's the application. So if you're here and you do not know the Lord and you say, I have a question, would you, would you do us a favor? Text the word. You can hear too, but text the word pastor. Text the word pastor, P-A-S-T-O-R, to 334-384-8080. We'll get that and we'll, have, we'll, we'll get back in touch with you. I'm talking about real soon. Like today, we'll get back in touch with you. Just text the word pastor. And if, you, if you're a believer in here and you said, well, I, I know the Lord, but there's something just popped in my mind and I don't know where it came from because Chuck you hadn't mentioned it but I've never been baptized listen can I, baptism does not save you but it is being obedient if you've never followed the Lord in baptism and you're a believer then you've got something to do if you would just text us that would just 
baptize. Just text us that word. I know I'm throwing a curveball, but when we get that, we'll be able to figure it out. 334-384-8080. I love being your assistant pastor. <laughs> and I love hearing my pastor say on a weekly basis, I love being your pastor. I love him being our pastor. So as we depart from here, remember, forget the past. Moses, my servant, is dead. Whatever that means in your life that's done, trust God promises for the present and hold on to his word for the future. Amen? Amen. God bless you as you're dismissed. Remember, from the back, working your way front. Don't forget, Pastor's Bible Study here Wednesday night. This Wednesday night, Pastor's Bible Study will be here this Wednesday night. And if you have not picked up your book called The Unsaved Christian by Dean and Sarah, that's in our Welcome Center. Those are $8. That's going to be our Pastor's Book Study. Uh, Pastor Ray will be leading us through that book beginning next Sunday night at 5 p.m. So pastor's Bible study this Wednesday, 6 p.m. right here. And then next Sunday at 5 p.m. after next Sunday morning, but next Sunday 5 p.m. we'll begin our book study and going through the book Unsafe Christian. Those are available in our Welcome Center or if you don't want to go by there, they're available at our church office, all right? God bless you. You're dismissed and live fearlessly.